God, we love you. Thank you so much that someone shared hope with us, that someone cared enough to share the good news of Jesus with us at some point in time. And thank you that we get to do that in our community. And sometimes it looks like a backpack, and sometimes it looks like a snow cone, sometimes it looks like food off a grill. Lord, whatever tools or, or means that we use to just share your love, we're thankful that we get to do it. Help us to be a light to this community. Thank you for those that give faithfully and generously in their tithes and their offerings, that give to missions and give to outreach and support uh, the, the vision of this church to reach this community. We just believe that that is so in keeping with your heart for Laramie. And thank you that we get to be a part of it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. We're in our sermon series in James, and if you want to turn to James chapter 5, we'll be in verse 13 through 18. I want to talk to you for a minute just uh, briefly about the sport of boxing, and I don't really know a whole lot about it, about boxing, but I know that it must be uh, one of the most physically demanding sports. I mean, imagine one of the reasons it's, it's got to be so physically demanding in my mind is because you have to take a good amount of hits and push through the pain and, and get stronger, and there's a part of boxing where you just have to kind of outlast your opponent, right? You still have to land some blows, but you're going to take some along the, the process. And that's got to be physical. I've never boxed, but I, I just imagine that's got to take a toll on you. Muhammad Ali, he said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. And as I've thought about the last 10 weeks of our sermon series on James, it's kind of been like a boxing match. James is landing all the punches, and if you've been with us since the beginning of the series, you've probably taken some hits along the way because James is pretty straightforward. So just take Muhammad Ali's advice today and don't quit. Get stronger and become a champion through it all. Um, I told you from the beginning that James, it's a difficult book. It's, it's a difficult book because no matter how long you've been following Christ and no matter how mature you are, James is going to read your mail. And here's the reality. If you live to be 105 years old, you're going to read passages in James that will make you feel like you have uh, a million miles left to go. Uh, because he just kind of tells it like it is, and it's good. I hope it's caused you to grow. I hope that you've enjoyed it, even if there may have been some growing pains along the way. And some of you are excited because we've said that today is the last day of the sermon series, and you're thinking, I made it. Because this is supposed to be our last week of the series, uh, but surprise, uh, we're going we're gonna to extend it one more week because I, I really wrestled with this for a couple months uh, about whether we should end today or do one more week. And uh, I had kind of planned where we were just going to end today and finish out these last few verses all the way to verse 20. But over the last several weeks specifically, I've really felt like uh, what, what is in the last two verses in the book of James are so important that I don't want them just to get... Uh, lost in the mix, so to say, with, with the topic today that's also very important. And, uh, and so I just really have felt a strong sense that we're supposed to uh, deal with those last two verses of the book of James next week. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going we're gonna to look at verses 13 through 18 today. And so if you were celebrating, I've made it. Uh, I can, we don't have to hear any more from James now. Can you preach about the love of God or something nice? Uh, we'll get there, uh, but we've got one more week on the book of James, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, thanks for being here and being a part of it. I know so many people have said it's painful, 
Uh, I feel like my toes are stepped on every Sunday, and I love it. And so that's awesome. I'm glad that you love it. And you can be here next week and celebrate it, that we've made it all through what will be 12 weeks of the book of James. So also I encourage you, if you've missed some of it and you want to go back and catch up, you can. We have an audio podcast in addition to live streaming on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook and you want to go back and just listen to the audio of the sermons, uh, you can do that and download that to your phone or your computer. Uh, we have that available. You can find it on our website, or if you have a, a podcasting app, you can look for New Life Church on there, and it's there. So if you want to go back and listen to that and have your toes stepped on some more, uh, more more power to you. It's, it's all there for you to do that. Uh, we're in James 5, 13 through 18, and this is what it says. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. In these verses that we've read today, James is like an expert doctor, and he's giving out medical prescriptions. Uh, only what James isn't giving out isn't medicinal in nature. It's, it's, it's actually the greatest medicine that's ever invented. It's prayer. James is giving out prescriptions for prayer. He says, is, is the antidote suffering? Try prayer. Are you cheerful? Why not pray and praise God? Is anyone sick? Well, prayer is even better when you step up the dose and under proper supervision. So call for the elders of the church and have them pray. Do you feel a mess and do you need consultation? Well, confess your sin to one another and wait for it. Pray for one another. Prayer works. Pray for one another so you can be healed. The prayer of the righteous really works. Its source is always available. It never expires. It's never out of stock. James is looking at, at this church that's kind of scattered all over that he's writing this letter to, and he's seeing these people, and he says, you know what? They need more prayer. So he's dealing out prescription prayer, and I'm guessing that most of us here believe in prayer. But we, we have to admit that probably, even though we believe in it, we don't feel like we're necessarily always good at it, or that we, we do enough of it. It's interesting, there was a study that was done um, that I read several several months ago that said that even a lot of people that don't consider themselves to be Christians or to have a relationship with God still practice prayer on a regular basis. That's interesting. But a lot of people feel like they're not good at it. They don't do enough of it. Which of us in our lives would really say that we, we pray enough, that we, we get all the prayer that we need? One survey revealed that the average church member, according to their own acknowledgement, only prays four minutes a day. Scripture encourages us to pray without ceasing, and none of us are there. None of us have hit that mark, and many of us, if we're honest today, we would say, you know what, I, I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to develop some habits in prayer, and not just the over-the-counter stuff. I need the serious, extra-strength, prescription-level prayer. Well, there's good news. There's this prescription here in James for all of us. And I want to share some things with you about prayer from a couple people that have some great insights on prayer. And then I want to look at what I see James is trying to communicate in regard to prayer with us today. And then I want to leave some time 
for us to spend some time in prayer at the, at the conclusion of the service today. Richard Mayer is, is a person who's written a lot about prayer. and In one of his writings, he gives three reasons for a lot of lack of prayer in people's lives. And the first thing that he says is that a lot of people don't pray because they don't know how to pray. And I think this is a factor because when we look back at the teachings of Christ and we look at the, the records that we have about how he interacted with his disciples and the, the people that he was trying to bring up and develop to, to carry on the mission after he was gone, we don't ever see Jesus teach them to preach, but he taught them to pray. And prayer is so important that, that Jesus took the time to teach his disciples to pray. They went to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he taught them to pray. If you want to learn to pray, look at what Jesus taught the disciples and use that as a model to pray. You don't have to pray those exact words, although there's nothing wrong with it. From time to time, I enjoy praying the Lord's Prayer. But more than anything, it's a great model for you to use as you're saying, I want to learn to pray and I want to learn to pray better. Well, take the principles from that prayer and apply them to the situations and the circumstances in your life to help you learn to pray. Secondly, Richard Mayer said that we don't pray because we don't think that prayer accomplishes much. Now, I think a lot of people wouldn't really admit to this, and yet many people may feel that way. But here's the thing. Do we really believe that prayer moves the hands of God? Do we really believe that prayer unleashes the power of God? Because if we believe that, wouldn't we pray for more than four minutes a day? Wouldn't we say, if we really believe that there's something to this, that there's power in this, that this works, that we would make it a greater priority in our lives? So while we may say with our mouths that prayer is a priority and that prayer works and that God is able to answer our prayers, our actions would indicate otherwise. And you know James, he's all about faith and actions. Don't talk the good talk. Walk the walk. And so that's important. If we really believe that prayer works, then we should do more prayer. The book of James has taught us that faith without action is dead. So if we aren't praying, can we really say we believe in prayer? I'm moving on. Mayer says that we don't pray because we have a faulty concept of God. A lot of people view God as a cosmic killjoy. And if they do that, why would they go to God in prayer? If we picture God as a vending machine whose sole purpose is to give us what we want, then we go to him and we put our quarter in and out pops our desire. The problem is that's not the way it works. And when we don't get what we want, we become disappointed and we become angry and we kick the machine for swallowing our prayer. The right view of God is to see him as our Heavenly Father, who's a good parent and who hears all of our requests, but doesn't just give us what we want, but he gives us what's good for us. I'd like to add a couple more to Mayor's list. I think that sometimes we don't pray as much as we should because we think that we're too busy. We've convinced ourselves that we're too busy to pray. And let me just say that you're never too busy to pray. And whenever you think you are, life has a way of reminding you that you're too busy not to pray. And too often we wait until we're in a crisis situation to pray when if, in reality, if we had been praying all along, maybe we wouldn't be in the crisis situation in the first place. There are trials, there are problems, there are situations that all of us are going to face as a part of life. But don't wait to start praying when you get to that moment. The, the other thing I'll add to it is I think that oftentimes, especially as Americans, and maybe, maybe particularly as people from Wyoming, we're a little too self-reliant. We're a little too self-confident. We're, we're overconfident in our own abilities to handle life. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it. On my own, I'm independent, strong Wyoming person. 
just like we've been for years. We will tell God that we'll handle all the little stuff and only bring the big stuff to him. And that's not the kind of relationship that God desires to have with us. So those are some reasons that we don't pray. And there's another person by the name of D.A. Carson. You may have heard some of his tips on prayer, but he shares seven things that will help you with prayer. And I think these are super, super helpful. I want to go through them really quick. Number one, he says that prayer should be planned. If you're wanting to grow in your prayer life, plan prayer. Now, some of you are going to kick back and say, well, prayer doesn't have to be planned. Prayer can happen anytime, anywhere. Okay, well, that's great. How's it working out for you? Not planning prayer. It's going just according to your plan. It's not that prayer can't happen anywhere or anytime, but it's more of the idea that what, what is important to you, you're going to plan and you're going to prioritize. Your wife should be important enough that you plan dates with her. It would have been a great place for some wives to say amen. It got really quiet. I don't know what that means. Many of you uh, don't know that you should plan for retirement, but that doesn't just happen by itself. I mean, retirement may happen, but... Paying your bills in retirement may be another story. Uh, some of you will plan your workouts and your fitness routines. You plan and you prioritize the things that are really important to you and the things that matter. So why wouldn't we plan our times of prayer? The second thing he says is adopt practical ways to impede mental drift. You're, you're not going to probably pray very well while you're scrolling your iPhone. A lot of people will say, I get so distracted when I pray. I just can't pray for more than 30 seconds. There's always all these interruptions and I'm busy and all this stuff. Well, try disconnecting. Try setting aside some time or a place or a space where you can focus. Maybe you're the kind of person that you can go to Starbucks and be surrounded by 50 people that are all doing stuff and there's noise and you can pray. And that's great if that's you. But for a lot of people, there's way too many distractions and it does good to find a time and a place. Maybe it's a back porch in the morning. Maybe it's a prayer room. Maybe it's just a quiet part of a house or a place where you can go and pray. Maybe it means getting to work 15, 20 minutes early before everyone else gets there and having some time where you can pray. But find out a way that you can impede that mental drift. The third thing he says is seek out people to pray with. You can call it prayer partners, accountability, whatever term that you want to give it, but you'll learn from people when you pray with them. You're going to pray more fervently. You'll be less distracted. You'll focus better. If you want to grow in prayer, find somebody to pray with. And the fourth thing he said is similar to it. Get around people who pray. It's similar to the last one, but you know what? When I want to learn something, I get around people who already know what I'm wanting to learn because I can learn from them. And so get around people who pray. The fifth thing he says is develop a system of prayer lists. Now, some of you are rolling your eyes. All the type A people are drooling and saying, tell me more about the systems for prayer. And all the, everyone else is like, I'm never praying again. This is too complicated already. But it doesn't have to be complicated. Maybe for you, prayer looks like getting some, some three-by-five cards and writing down some different lists that you can have. And when you go to pray, then you, you don't have to say, well, I prayed for 30 seconds. And I don't know what else to pray for. I'm done. Maybe you write your spouse's name on one of the cards and you write some things that you know would be uh, needs for prayer. And then you write maybe your kids' names on another one and you, you can have a card for each of them. And, and if you know there's situations that are going on at work or at church, your pastor would covet your prayers and love for you to pray for them on a regular basis. And you can have these different cards. And then when you go to pray, maybe you have 10 or 12 or 15 cards and you spend a minute or two on each one. And next thing you know, you've spent a half an hour in prayer. 
because you had a system and, and a list that helped you. And, and, and that's just an easy way to do it. Other people like to have a journal and they'll write down similar things inside of a journal. Or maybe they'll write down on a, on a weekly entry or, or some people like a daily entry of things that they're praying for and how God answers those prayers. It's incredible to be able to look back and say, you know what? In December of last year, this was so such a big issue that I was facing and I was dealing with this and I don't even remember that now but but now as I'm looking back and and seeing those things I was praying for I can remember how big of a deal that that was and how important that was but look how God has answered that prayer now and it's just an incredible way to look back and and not only see things you were praying for but see the answers to prayer those of you that like technology there's a million and a half different apps for your phone or websites or or online systems that you can use for everything from prayer lists to accountability. If you need a reminder to pray, you can do that. There's all kinds of, of different things and technology that you can use if that's for you. But it's not, it's not about one system that works right for everybody. Find what works for you that will help you and encourage you to pray and grow in your prayer life. The sixth thing that he says is mix praise, confession, and intercession and tie it back to scripture. You know, sometimes people say, you know, I, I spend time in prayer, but it just gets so routine and so stale, and I don't know how to how to liven that up. Well, James talks about praying and, and, and praising and mixing them together. So maybe sometimes you can have a, a time of prayer where there's some worship music praying in the background, and that's great. It's also great to have moments where there's not noise, and it's just quiet, and you can listen and hear. It's incredible sometimes to read a Bible passage, and maybe you read three or four verses and you begin to pray those things over your life and over your situations and God can use that and it'll mix up your, your prayer time to keep it exciting. The seventh thing that he says, and Carson, he stole this from the Puritans, which is fine because I'm stealing it for him today and a lot of people are, are, you know, whatever, but it's good. But he says, pray until you pray. And that may not make any sense to you at all or maybe the deepest thing that you've ever heard. But if you want to learn to pray, <laughs> Pray until you pray. How do you ride a bike or learn to hike? You just do it until you do it. Pray until you pray. Pray until you become a person of prayer. So there's three important things from James 5, 13 through 18 that I think we can learn that he's trying to teach with us. And I want to share those with you today. And I think these will help you and encourage you in addition to the practical things that I just gave you. But the, the important thing that we see through almost all these verses that James is sharing is that it's important for your prayer life to embrace community. You've got to embrace community. Sometimes we get the Lone Ranger mentality when it comes to our spiritual lives. And we think, well, I can handle this by myself. It's going to be okay. And it's not until complete tragedy in our lives that we'll ever reach out to anybody else for prayer or for help or for accountability or anything. James puts an emphasis on community, and we should as well. He talks about praying together. And praying for each other and allowing people to pray for you and with you. He talks about confessing your sins to one another. We'll talk a little bit more about confession in a minute. But this, this idea of, of embracing community and spiritual family and, and allowing other people to walk alongside you is so huge. God didn't create us to live alone. In fact, he said the opposite. It's not good for man to be alone. God wants us to have a relationship with him that's, that's intimate and personal and passionate. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, there was a time of the day that he would come down and walk and talk with Adam and Eve. And God's desire for relationship hasn't changed just because we're not in the Garden of Eden. He still would love to have that time of communion with you. 
But he also wants you to surround yourself with other people and put yourself in an atmosphere. It's why church is so important. It's why having a, a group of people that will walk alongside of you and do life and encourage you is so important. Sometimes we hesitate because it can be awkward or it can be uncomfortable. Accountability is hard. And I know what you're thinking. You already have the book of James stepping on your toes. You don't need another person coming alongside and telling you more things that you need to do or that you're not doing. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. We do need accountability. We do need people that will challenge us and encourage us. You can, you can go to the gym and you can work out alone, but there's something that happens when there's someone watching you and working out with you that causes you to push a little harder, that causes you to show up at 6 o'clock in the morning instead of push the snooze button. And the same is true in our, our spiritual lives. There's something that happens when we pray together, when we have people in our lives that will ask us the difficult questions, that we can confess the struggles and the situations that we're going through and we can say, you know what, I'm really dealing with this. Would you pray with me about this? And those people will not only pray with you about that, but maybe a couple weeks later, they'll check back up on you and say, you know what, I know you were struggling with this a couple weeks ago. Where are you at? How's it going? That's important. You need that in life. And that's what church is all about. Can, can you live a Christian life on a ranch in the middle of Wyoming, nowhere, and by yourself and never go to church and make it to heaven? You probably can. But why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go through that struggle alone when you have the opportunity and the possibility of being surrounded by a community and spiritual family that wants to encourage you and see you grow? Is church perfect? No, it's not. There's never going to be a perfect church. You're not going to find one because it's full of people that just like you and me are struggling to do this thing called life, are struggling to honor God and, and live out the principles of his word in their lives. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. But together, we can make this better. We can encourage each other. We can strengthen each other. Amen. A few years ago, a Christian movie came out about prayer. and I told the first service, I, I, you may think less of me after I tell you this, but I'm really like not always a huge fan of some of the Christian movies and faith-based movies. Some of them are just kind of cheesy. I said it. You know? uh, and some of them are okay. Uh, one of the best ones that's come out in a long time, came out a little while ago, maybe a couple years ago. Some of you may need to go rent the movie. If you're wanting to grow in prayer or you want to be challenged in this area, it's a, it's a powerful one and a, and a good one. I encourage you to do it. I want to show you a clip that will demonstrate the power of what accountability and community and what we can do for each other to encourage each other in our spiritual relationship. This is a clip from the movie called War Room. Check it out. I appreciate you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have children? 
Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. <laughs> now, some of you are thinking, that's exactly why I'm scared of community and accountability. And that's exactly why you need it. As your pastor, I want to challenge you to embrace the community and the spiritual family available to you in a greater way. I challenge you to allow people to pray for you and with you and pray for other people. I'm not talking about just telling someone that you'll pray for them and maybe later you remember to do it. Why not just do it right there, then and there? Go and pray with the prayer team sometime when we have the prayer team come and invite people to come. Come and find a person to pray with. You could find community by joining a, a class this fall after Labor Day. We'll launch our, our Bible classes and there'll be opportunities for all age groups to get involved and to find community. Maybe some of you attend the University of Wyoming and you participate in Chi Alpha and you're involved in their group and it's a great place to have community. You can join one of their small groups. If you're a teenager, you can come on Monday nights to the youth group and find community and get plugged in and have accountability. Some of you ladies, maybe it's through the women's Bible study or the guys through coming to a men's breakfast or even on a fishing trip. Find community that you can get plugged in with and, and have people that will speak truth into your life, even if sometimes it hurts. Some of you could create community as well. What if once a week, you, you led a short prayer time or, or maybe read some, some scripture verses together with, with like-minded believers at your workplace, invited others that wanted to come. Maybe at school, for those that want to join you before or after or during lunchtime, you could lead a Bible club at your school. Or maybe you and your spouse meet up with another couple to pray and read the Bible once a week. There's lots of opportunities that you can find to join or be a part of spiritual community and family and accountability, or you can create it yourself, but it's important in our lives. The second thing is, is to employ confession. What do you mean, employ confession? We're not Catholic. I don't have to confess anything to anyone. Well, what if I told you that confession is an important part of your spiritual life, and a lack of confession is the reason that a lot of people don't grow more, and they don't see their prayers answered, and they don't receive the healing that they need. I'm not talking about going to a priest for confession or getting into a booth and telling me everything that you've done. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to read a couple of scriptures that will help bring some clarity to this issue for you. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us 
from all unrighteousness. Well, that's talking about confessing to God. I can do that. Awesome. Great. That's that's first part. Let's read James 5.16 again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And you're like, that's why I don't like James. Why couldn't he just leave it so I could confess to God and I could do that in my own in private? Why do I have to go confessing to other people and making this complicated and awkward and difficult and all these things? I want to read Psalms 32.3. David was talking about sin that he was hiding and secret sin that he had in his life. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. There's, there's power in confessing and not necessarily even just confessing our sins to each other, but opening up to each other and saying, you know what, here's where I'm struggling and here's where I need prayer and here's where I need someone to come alongside me and speak into my life and encourage me in this area. And when we do that, we're able to let things go and we're able to get rid of things that we've been carrying around that we had no reason carrying around. And, and a result of that is healing. Because we're, we're no longer carrying something in secret on our own that we were never intended to carry and conceal and to hide. Instead, we're bringing light to it. Part of community and spiritual family is that you need accountability. You need someone to know your business, to ask you if you're praying and to know when you're struggling and to help you when you're weak. But we always think we can handle it on our own. Here's the thing. If we don't handle the sin in our lives when we're strong, then it will destroy us when we're weak. If you don't kill the sin in your life when you're strong, it will kill you when you're weak. Sin thrives in darkness. If you want to stay enslaved to the same sin and the same struggles and the same challenges over and over and over again, then keep hiding it. Just keep handling it on your own like you have been. Just keep telling yourself that you can do it by yourself. I don't care if you're an addict of 20 years or, or just a soccer mom. You need accountability in your life. God will move through spiritual relationships or accountability through people that will walk, walk alongside you. And confession is a big part of that. Opening up and sharing with somebody. It doesn't mean you just air, air out your dirty laundry for everybody. That's not what we're talking about. Find people that are spiritually mature, that are maybe a step ahead of you. Maybe you've been walking this relationship with the Lord a little longer than you have. Find people that are at the same place as you, that you can encourage each other. Find people that can speak into your lives. It doesn't mean that you have to do this with everybody, but find somebody that you can. There's places, um, there's a lot of places that you can find that. You can ask someone you trust spiritually. You might have to ask them to meet you at Starbucks and you might have to buy their coffee. But it'll be the best $5 you spent all week. Some of you need to meet up with a, with a Miss Clara and have her give you some, some lukewarm coffee to drive the point home. You may find it around a table at a women's Bible study or men's breakfast or Monday nights in a youth group. Find it. Find that somewhere. The third thing that James communicates, and I love it because he doesn't just say it. He, he, he embodies it. He lives it out. Embody confidence. You have to love the confidence of James as he says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. 
If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. James declares boldly and confidently in faith that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He doesn't say, go and pray and maybe God will hear. Maybe God will show up. Go and pray when you're sick and you might get better if you pray. Maybe there's a chance that you... No, it's not what he says. He declares with confidence that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. They will be forgiven. That prayer is powerful and effective. And we've got to learn to approach the throne with confidence and boldly declare that God is for us, that he answers prayers, that there's nothing that's too difficult for him. I love that last sentence of James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Some people don't like it because they argue that God hears all of our prayers, whether we're in a good place or not. And, and I think that's true. I do believe that God hears all of our prayers, but it doesn't mean that all of our prayers are equally effective. And the reason that I can say that is because of this verse. And, and some of you know it from the King James Version. that says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that's what you, you've grown up knowing. Maybe it's hanging on the walls of your house. That's an okay translation. I like the way the English, English Standard Version says it maybe a little better. It reads like this. The effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. That's, that's really good. I like that. Even a more clear reading of this verse from the original language goes something more like this. The prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effects. What James is trying to communicate here, one of the keys of powerful, effective prayer is the faith and the righteousness of the person that's praying it. And the emphasis here is, is really, it's not on the, the technique of prayer, how good you are, how experienced you are, how eloquent of a vocabulary that you use in prayer, but it's on the, the kind of person that's praying it. He uses Elijah as an example of who he's talking about. And unfortunately, a lot of people immediately will disqualify themselves whenever they see an example like Elijah or we see someone like David or, or James or oh, I can never live up to be the spiritual giant that that person is. Well, James even goes as far as saying is a person like us. And really, when you look into the life of Elijah, the reality is he was just like us. He was a person that was riddled with his own doubts at times, and he had his character flaws like all of us do. He struggled with many things. He struggled with depression and self-pity, even suicidal thoughts. So like the rest of us, he too falls under the umbrella of Romans 3.23 that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He was a spiritual giant in our eyes because of the faith that he had to pray to God and the righteousness that came about as a result of his faith. Through that faith in God, he was made righteous. And his prayer offered in faith was an effective prayer that God answered just like your prayers also can be effective when they're prayed with faith, when you boldly acknowledge that God is able and you trust that he's able to answer your prayers. It's a story of a town that had experienced a hard drought, and one of the local churches had announced that a special prayer meeting was going to happen one night to pray for rain. And on that night, the church building was packed, and you would have thought the pastor would have been excited. Look at a full church building for prayer. But instead, he told everybody to go back home, that there wouldn't be a prayer meeting that night. Because nobody that was there had really come expecting their prayers to be answered. 
You see, across the crowd of all these people, no one brought an umbrella. There was not a raincoat to be found. They had come not really expecting God to answer their prayers. That may seem a little silly to you, but the reality is prayer that's prayed without expecting God to answer isn't a prayer that's prayed in faith. And it's not going to be a very effective prayer. A recurring theme throughout James is faith in action. And when it comes to prayer, should it be any different? James says that you need to pray boldly and ask others to pray. He says that it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Isn't that faith in action? Do we pray with that kind of confidence? Do we pray expecting an answer? Do we pray like we're praying to a God that hears and answers our prayers? Thank God that he is able, that he does hear. Pray prayers that are bold and that, that move the hands of God and that, that, that are going to warrant an answer. There's a final clip I want to show you from, from the war room. And I love this. It just it fires me up. It makes me want to go spend some more time in prayer. And it's just an example of an ordinary person boldly understanding the power that's available to all of us through prayer. prayer. Check this out. Lord, call us to battle. That 
King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Spurgeon once said that prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell for they pray so languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. Prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is not what you do when you need help falling asleep at night. Prayer is not like food. You can survive 40 days without food. It's not even like water. You can go four days without water. Prayer is more like air. You can only survive four minutes without air. And that's what God intended prayer to be like in our life. Prayer is the air to our spiritual lives. That's why it says pray without ceasing. We're, we can continually be in a state of prayer. Just like you can strengthen your lungs through exercise, you can grow your prayer life. This morning, we wanted to leave a little time here to just put prayer into action today. I want to pray, and I want to encourage you to engage in prayer. I want to give you a couple opportunities, and I'm going to do this, a couple different things. I want to invite our prayer team to come, maybe a couple people up here on both sides in the front, maybe a person in the back. And if you are in need of prayer, if you're in trouble, if you're sick, if you're struggling or in need, there's nothing that's too big. There's nothing that's too small. I want to invite you to come and find one of these prayer team members and allow them to pray with you. They're not here to meddle in your business or to share all your junk or anything like that. They just want to agree with you in prayer and allow what the scripture talks about to be put into action in our lives. There's something that happens when we pray together. So if you're in need of someone to join you and pray with you in prayer about any anything at all, I encourage you to find one of these people to pray with. The second thing I want to do is I want to invite everyone to pray. Even if you don't want to engage in the community with a prayer team partner, even if you don't feel like you have a big need that you need someone to pray with you for, will you come and pray? I want to challenge you to step out of where you are and change your posture, change your position, whatever that looks like for you. I want to just turn this entire room into a prayer room for just the next couple minutes. And, and maybe that's coming and kneeling at an altar. Maybe you like to do that and that's something that you can do. Maybe it's just changing from sitting to standing and, and maybe it's changing the chair. Maybe it's moving up to one of the front chairs. I don't know what it is, but there's something that happens. I know you can pray in the seat where you are in the same posture that you're in, but there's something about moving from where you are to a different posture or a different position that says, you know what, I'm responding and I'm, I'm focusing on what God wants to do and I'm engaging in prayer and I want to do that. Maybe you're, you're a prayer walker and you want to get up and walk on the side. That's fine, whatever you want to do. But will you engage in prayer for a few minutes? I'm going to pray over us and then I'm going to invite you to come and either find one of these prayer team members or find a place to pray. Let's just... Let's just cut out some distractions. Lunch is coming soon. Maybe cell phones are going off. I don't know, but just focus on what God wants to do. And let's spend some, some time in prayer this morning to conclude this service. God, we love you so much. And Lord, we need you, God. Lord, we need you in our lives. We were created for a relationship with you. You desire 
to hear from us, to speak to us, to move in our lives on a daily basis. And God, we just need so much more than what we have, God. Lord, I pray that for, for this congregation, that we would be a praying church, that the results of our prayer would be evident in our lives, that our families would benefit as a result of our prayers, that, uh, that this city would be better because we are a praying church that makes a difference in our community. God, I pray that prayer would become like oxygen to us, that we would thrive on prayer, that it would be something that's as natural as breathing in and breathing out, that we would recognize the need that we have for it, God. God, for those that are here today that aren't even sure where they are in a relationship with you, God, I pray that through prayer, you would reveal yourself to them, that you would just show them the, the desire that you have for a relationship with them. For God, for those that are struggling and maybe they don't feel like they know how to pray or where to begin with prayer, God, just meet them where they are as you do, God. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for a church that loves you. And God, I pray that we would grow to be the praying church that you desire for us to be. That we would believe you for answers. That we would believe that you're a God that hears us and is able to answer our prayer. That there's nothing that's too difficult for you. There's nothing so insignificant that you're not uh, willing to concern yourself with it. Lord, you desire that relationship with us. So Lord, help us to engage in prayer at a greater level, in a greater way in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to come find a person to pray with or come find a person to pray. If you don't know how to pray, man, you've sent a text message, you've talked on the phone, you've talked to somebody, had a conversation, prayer is just like that, and you're just talking to God. So just share with them whatever you want. You don't have to know the old English. You don't have to have some elaborate and really nice sounding words or fancy vocabulary. God just wants a real and authentic heart that desires a relationship with him. So will you come? Will you find a place? Melanie's in the back. If you'd like prayer, for our team members up here, you can pray around an altar. Come find a place. And let's just spend some moments in prayer as the worship team leads us today.
when that's happened during a commute and that car ride, the 20, 30 minute car ride to work was a powerful prayer time. There's been moments where it's been the back porch or it's been a few minutes during a lunchtime or whatever. Find a way that works for you, but spend that personal time. The other thing that could benefit is your family praying together is great. And praying for your food or your meals is one thing, but it's, it's so powerful to maybe have an evening or a 15 minute segment every week where you bring your family together and you just pray for each other and, and spend that time together. You and your spouse praying together is so powerful. It's something happens there that will make your marriage stronger. It's just, it's, it's a good thing. If you're dating someone, start to pray with them. Don't wait till you're married. Let God move in those things. I want us to, to end this way. I want to encourage you, if you're here today, if you've got a family member with you, uh, get together with that family member. I want I want just for you to pray for your family, pray for your husband or your wife, pray for your kids. Maybe you're a college student here, you want to get together with some other college students, you can do that. But let's just, let's just take one minute at the end of the service and pray for each other. It's a part of, of community. It's a part of what James is talking about would you find that person if you're here alone turn the person next to you or someone around you that doesn't have someone ask them if, if you could pray with them or if they would pray with you and let's just conclude that way as we as we end this time together just take a minute and do that right now
What's just happened is that we've witnessed the moving of the Holy Spirit by the means of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit of tongues and interpretation. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 about their gifts and the usefulness within the church to strengthen and to comfort and to encourage the church. And I believe that that's what God is doing right now as he's speaking to us, his church today and reinforcing this idea that he desires that relationship with us. He wants to be involved in the intimate details of our lives. And I believe there's someone here today that God just wanted you to not leave here without knowing one more time, without knowing that he loves you, that he wants that relationship with you, that he wants you to spend time in his presence that you may have come to a place in your life where you feel like he's forgotten about you, that he's not concerned with you and it couldn't be further from the truth. And he's interrupted everything that's going on to, to break through. And maybe it's just for one person today. We believe as an assembly of God church, the Holy Spirit's alive and active and, and everything that he did in the New Testament as far as miracles and signs and wonders that we can see today. In fact, the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. And I believe that we will pray and the sick will be healed, that God wants to speak to us. He wants a relationship with us. Impossible situations can be resolved, that God can give words of prophecy for the church and he can, he can find a way to, to communicate to us. He can give supernatural words of knowledge and wisdom and speak into our lives. If, if this word that's been shared today is strengthened or comforted or encouraged you today, would you just confirm that by raising your hand and just saying, today God was speaking to me all across this room. God, we thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that you would meet us here in such a way. Thank you that you are a God that's alive and desires relationship with us. God, help us not to allow some lousy excuse to keep us from growing in our relationship with you, to keep us from your presence. God, help us to plan, help us to prioritize, help us to build our lives around our relationship with you, not just to add you as a small part in addition to a million other things. God, would we be a church that's passionate about prayer, that sees the hands of God move when we pray, that as a result of our prayers, that people would see and know that you are God and that you're alive and you're doing powerful and incredible things. Would our prayers be answered in miraculous ways? 
and would it result in people coming to know you in a new and a real way. We thank you for it. So be it in Jesus' name.